Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast. Today in our CMO series, we're going to dive into all things experiential marketing and particularly what that looks like in this year, which we know has brought on quite a bit of change. And I know you've heard that from past conversations with CMOs in the past, but today is an industry that has taken on uh, in a category that's taken on arguably some of the greatest change. And so we'll be able to dive into exactly that. So today we are welcoming Candina Weston, the CMO and COO of the Global Experiential Marketing at Microsoft. Candina, it is a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful to be um, invited today, especially given the nature of the audience and the ability to do some mutual learning. So thank you. Of course, of course. Very much looking forward to it. So first, I'd love to start with exactly that you know, intro title um, and ultimately the this, this space. So from your perspective, what does global experiential marketing mean? And what does that mean for a firm like Microsoft? And what does that mean in terms of like your role? I'd love to hear just like a very uh, high level synopsis. And if you want to dive into the details, please do. But what does that ultimately mean? Because I think there's a lot of definitions out there, but oftentimes yeah. definitions that we've only seen maybe in textbooks. Uh, so I'd love to see what that looks like in the real world. Yeah, well, I guess I would start with Microsoft's mission statement, which I think is great in terms of the context of, you know, a a global and digital economy. And that is around uh, the fact that our mission is empowering every person and organisation on the planet to achieve more. And essentially what we're grounding in is there are 7 billion people on the planet. And so what can we do to make their lives better and deliver a product that will enable 7 billion people to move forward, um, solving some of the world's problems and other things. Um, And what that means in terms of experiential marketing is it gives us an ability to create a platform that enables connection with potentially 7 billion people. So I guess in terms of um, what we would have seen in the past, there a lot of the engagement that was driven was really in-person. And I know there's a debate around the value of in-person versus digital and losing that connection. But what um, this has done in the last, you know, six to nine months is really enabled the ability to create a platform that really gives us the ability to create a connection with 7 billion people. Mm -hmm. So in the digital space, not only do you get to connect globally, there's not a restriction in terms of um, money to travel, in terms of flights, in terms of um, even when you get to the space, like there is a difficulty in terms of connecting at different levels. Mm -hmm. Um, In this environment, you get to connect globally on the same level and everybody also gets a seat at the table. So the ability to leverage social and chat and other things means that no matter who is in the conversation, you're able to engage. It doesn't matter who it is. You could be the CEO, you could be an intern, you could be someone who's still at school. So it's really a it's really a great platform for that. And so being able to bring the best experience around that platform is really what we're trying to drive at the moment. Yeah. And I love I'll pause that. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and for all of our listeners right now, you'll notice, you know, we always talk about brands searching for purpose and explaining their mission. And you know, that first question wasn't about your mission statement, anything of that nature, but that was the first arena you went to, which I know is so impactful for listeners here. And then you also mentioned connecting, uh, you know, from the CEO to the intern and, 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 you know, all the way in between. And for myself, even in particular, I can, I can certainly relate to that. And I know a lot of our listeners now that 
with digital infrastructure as a whole, there's greater connectivity and ability. You know, you might not have been able to get a meeting before with the CEO of a large corporation or, or company that you want to get connected to or anyone in the C-suite or high level. Yet now you can connect with them on a platform like a LinkedIn or over email or, or any of these other channels that pre present new, incredible, unique opportunities, maybe even a podcast, you know, in this scenario. So I, I love the connectivity that it brings and I love that it's driving forward. And so I guess on that note, what does the future of experiential marketing look like? Obviously, we've had changes with COVID and, and others. And uh, I, I know the future, we certainly don't have a crystal ball to see exactly, you know, what that, that future is going to be. But are there any trends or insights you see taking place that have piqued your interest? Definitely. I think that the way that we think about events and think about connections going forward has def definitely changed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the what we see is the unique opportunity to really think about how do you bring in-person and digital experiences together in a way that doesn't exclude people. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about, like, you know, go back to what my role was and what my role is, I mean, we've gone through a process of essentially changing our whole organisation in the last six months. So we went through a profound amount of change. Um, every single person's role changed. My role previously would have been bringing people in the door. Um, we we essentially um, also looked after our partner sponsorships, so how we bring others into the event, and then also the rhythm of the business. Now, essentially, my role is like a publisher of a, a media network. Yeah. So essentially, I'm looking at you know this editorial calendar, which essentially thinks about what content makes sense for audiences over a period of time, um, how do we bring in as many people as possible into this global experience and create that opportunity to connect? Um, it also means that we're bringing in a lot of, um, a lot more authentic content into that experience. Mm -hmm. So if we bring others, like when we actually produce um, the event, we have to produce it like it's great TV. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great experience. You can come in, you can connect, you can, it, it'll be interesting for you. So you have to hold, hold that um, attention and hold that experience. Um, and then there's an element of, um, you know, operationalizing that essentially, meaning in the TV network environment, what is the process that allows you to actually then um, ensure that your your rhythm of the business and other things allows you to continue to connect with those audiences. So it's a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that creates a lot of change. And so um, to your, but to your point in terms of where this is going in the future, it's really essentially we have to optimize the experience for the, the TV network. We have to optimize the experience for the millions of people who may be viewing versus just the people in the room versus the other way around. It was optimized for the people in the room and not for the millions of people that are viewing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that insight. And I, I know you mentioned as an idea, um, kind of, it's almost acting as like the, the role of, uh, being a publisher, like, ahead of the the entire network. And it's just so interesting to see that that change that's brought on and those trends in particular. And I know within that, you, you kind of alluded to both uh, the marketing side of things and then, you know, operation uh, operations and creating operations around that. And right now acting as both CMO and COO within that division, 
I know for ourselves in our company, you know, our ops within an agency setting versus like our creative team is a constant battle of arguing about budgets and what can we can throw out towards what and hours spent towards this client and, you know, how we need to do this, that and the other. And I can only imagine what that looks like, not in an agency, but within a company where, you know, everyone knows exactly what's going on. It's not siloed out across clients. So um, I would say, you, you know, I guess my question would be, you know, do you see a benefit from having both where it's the marketing, it's the fun, the creative, the ideas, the experience, and then it's the operations of like putting it together, data, actually making it work. Um, have you seen like a benefit towards um, operating as, as both of those roles? I think honestly, it depends on the nature of the organization and mm -hmm. what you're trying to achieve with the different, uh, the different roles and also the different size of company. It's like it's never one size fits all in terms of these environments. And I have to um, I have to just clarify in terms of Microsoft and the way that we're structured. We have Chris Capicella, who's our CMO, who just got voted in the top 20 uh, Forbes CMOs. So yeah. we're very proud and um, excited about the work that the team's done there and Chris has done. My um, my manager, Bob Bajan, who runs our overall experiential marketing division, so he reports into Chris. And so our whole team is associated with experiential marketing. So the, the piece of the business that I'm looking after in terms of being like a CMO or COO is essentially the experiential marketing piece. So yeah, yeah. I think if maybe this question might be different if it was like the whole company and you yeah. have, you know, operations on one side or marketing on the other side. But I'll, I'll talk to the context associated with my role and the logic and then maybe make some comments about, you know, what I see across the organisation. Yeah. Um, but definitely in my role, I look at, um, I mean, one of my, my first, I came, came originally from marketing, but my first role at Microsoft was actually an operations role and it was running supply chain and setting up supply chain for when we launched Xbox years ago. Yeah. And originally I have to say, I was like, like, do I really want to do an operations role? You know, it's like, is that really me? I don't know. But I think what that did was really created a like a level of discipline in the way that I thought about how I run my my work. Mm -hmm. And so in this role, I think, especially when you think about the amount of operational discipline required to actually program content and reach audiences and other things, it it's like nearly every single role requires a level of operational discipline, no matter what it is. And so um, from that perspective, I think the intersection of the two is very complementary. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think every single person, every single one of my peers in our team um, is, is highly operational in the way that they think about their business. So that's definitely one point. Um, if I think about Microsoft in general and the way I see, you know, operations and marketing kind of complementing each other, I think that there is a shared objective around sustainable growth mm -hmm. across the business. And I think that is something that everybody can ground in, whether you're marketing or whether you're operations, which includes, you know, finance. Yeah. And you mentioned you, uh, you know, started in operations uh, with Microsoft and, you know, the, the the trend that we're seeing, you know, especially not only in marketing, but of course with millennials and now Gen Z kind of following suit is this this trend of job hopping and going to the next big place. And, and maybe beyond COVID, 
uh, we see that that maybe people are a little bit more loyal, stick with it, so on. But nonetheless, it's, it's something taking place now where people are moving on to jobs all the time. If they're not happy for just a day, they got to go somewhere else and, and so on, which I think creates a lot of positive things. I also cre- think it creates a lot of opportunity costs that could lead to you know incredible movement in the future. So you've been with the firm for now 21 years and like three or four months. And um, certainly you didn't walk in as, as the CMO and COO of the Global Experiential Marketing Division. And, and I know it's something you've worked your way up. So you know, is there any advice you would give uh, or, or anything you would speak to maybe on resilience or sticking with the brand and the company or seeing things for long term? Because I know a lot of individuals, particularly younger, uh, that, you know, the, the second there's a big problem, it's like, OK, this isn't the right fit. I need to go somewhere else. And the grass mm-hmm. is sometimes always greener no matter where you are. So is there anything you, you'd speak to within that realm about, you know, resilience and, and how you've been with the firms for such a long period of time? Yeah, I think um, the first thing I would say is I probably didn't expect to be with the company for so long. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's happened that way, but it's not something that I planned at the beginning. And I would definitely admit that at the beginning of my career, I did a lot of jumping around to different roles, like trying different things. And um, and what I've what I learned from that is when you fit into a company, it really comes down to what are you really looking for in terms of your own kind of core values Mm -hmm. and what makes sense. And when I was first going into, you know, the the work uh, force and and thinking about that, I I grew up in a pretty small country town in Australia and um, I always had an objective to be able to travel a lot and be able to see different things and, you know, be in a obviously stimulating corporate environment, but mm-hmm. it was always something I wanted to do um, was actually marketing, which is interesting. It's yeah. something that I knew that I really wanted to do from when I was about 16, I guess, which seems strange, but it was more, I like the psychological element of it. Mm-hmm. It's not just about selling things. There is an element of understanding people within the context of marketing, I think is really interesting. And, and there's a lot of social influence that you can have in in a good way actually when you pull the levers in the right way and so something that I always wanted to do was travel um I wanted to work in an interesting industry not necessarily tech it was wasn't quite sure um and then when I first when I finally kind of joined Microsoft um the other thing that was important to me was having a, a level of understanding and connection with the people you were working with and I know there's been like mixed talk about um, Microsoft in the past and the yeah, culture yeah. and that sort of thing. But to be honest, compared to the other companies that I had originally been in, I found the culture to be extremely welcoming. There was a, a good sense of camaraderie. It was very easy to move around like different countries. I did a lot of traveling. Um, and the other thing that I would say is there was a lot of opportunity to create new things and to, if you saw an opportunity, there wasn't really anybody holding you back from going and exploring that further. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's definitely frustration associated with certain things that you really want to happen and it's not quite happening the way you want and other things. But I think if you see, if you're fundamentally feeling good about where you are and you see an opportunity that you can then go and drive and you 
create your group, your support group that allows you to go and do that. It's There is scope for that. And so I think the reason why I've been able to stay at the company for this long is because I've been continuously looking for those gaps and areas where there are things that are new, there are things that are different. Most of the roles that I've done have been new jobs, net new roles, a lot of different managers, <laughs> a lot of different roles. So I think it's really it really comes down to the organisation and what you can actually do within the organisation. I think yeah. it's been big enough to be able to find opportunities. Yeah, definitely. So, well, that's uh, yeah. I think that's incredible advice for a lot of our younger listeners here in those kind of roles right now. And the final question I, I would have for you is, is there anything, you know, next year or beyond that you're particularly excited for? Is it, um, you know, obviously LinkedIn owned by Microsoft just released stories. I, at a personal level, super excited about that. Um, I know Xbox, maybe they're doing some things here and there. I don't know all the details, but is there anything super exciting on the horizon next year that you're looking forward to? From my perspective, I mean, in terms of product and other things, there's, you know, there's definitely people besides me who are, who should be speaking to those things for sure. Yeah. But as it relates to, I would say, just trends and where things are going, um, the things that I'm really excited about is the, it feels like there is, we're on the cusp of breaking down these barriers between what a corporation is in terms of a money-making entity and what we can do in terms of solving like real problems in the world. And I don't mean this to sound like a cliche, but I'm genuinely excited about the fact that I can see progress around really focusing and emphasizing how we actually go and drive and achieve the, the UN sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the statistic around organizations is like the top thousand companies in the world account for 70% of like the GDP in the world or something crazy. I mean, yeah. I'm probably quoting that very incorrectly, but I know it's, it's huge, right? So the impact that organizations can have in terms of really moving society forward in a positive way and still be able to create revenue opportunities and sustain society, I think that is the biggest most exciting trend that's actually that's going on at the moment and I think yeah. tech plays a large part of a large role in that and so that's really what I'm most excited about and being able to help facilitate a platform that enables the connections associated with that. Yeah that's incredible to hear and I guess the, the last thing would be do you have any questions for me or any closing remarks or conversations of that nature would love to hear would love to hear those uh, if so. Yeah, I mean, one thing that has been awesome, and I spoke to it earlier, is the ability to connect and have um, everyone have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think in this in this conversation, I've been doing a lot of talking, um, but I would love the ability and, and to get your advice, actually, in yeah. terms of what is the best way to connect with the audience here? How do we create the feedback loop? And based on the work that you've been doing, I'd love to get your thoughts on that and be able to be a part of that. Yeah, of course. And, you know, for us, uh, as I think about engaging younger audiences, you know, particularly Gen Z and millennials with kind of the new experiential marketing, how things are set up through, through virtual, where we see, um, you know, more speaking engagements that are possible to attend because, 
you know, as, as younger individuals might not have the, the income level to go spend 150 bucks and travel, you know, at some place, well, now they can attend. So I think it's created more opportunities to engage, more opportunities to learn. Um, and I also think it's, it's going to, as we look back at it, it's going to be a big divider because I think there's younger individuals in particular that now that they might not be in office nine to five every single day with, you know, a manager breathing, breathing down their neck. Now it's virtual and for, for a large part of younger individuals, and I have conversations like this all the time, they know how to get their job done in about two to three hours, so long as they're not being pulled into meet, you know, pointless meetings and lunches and so on. And, and that's what they would prefer. And so some are just using that time to now they're working virtually, just get things done, go have fun the rest of the day, which is incredible at a personal level. And then I've seen others too that are using this as a new ability where, oh, I can go book a meeting with my manager anytime and I don't have to be afraid to walk into his or her office. And so I think we're seeing a lot of potential career progression, uh, a lot more in terms of the work-life kind of balance and things of that nature. And when it comes to the feedback loop, what I always find interesting with younger generations, and millennials really uh, made this trend, and now we're seeing it even more with Gen Z, it's, it is the generation that you don't have to tell them to speak up. They, they'll, they'll speak their opinion, and they're going to share it all over social media. But the question is, are they going to bring that up to you? Are they going to have like a you know, very uh, professional conversation with you? Or are they going to bash you on Twitter for it? So you know, I think when we think about feedback loops from our perspective, it's engaging younger audiences, it's giving them a seat at the table, um, and it's giving them an opportunity to voice their opinion in unique ways and let them kind of set the vision for the future. Because what, what I find so captivating is if you do get them involved in that conversation, uh, you know, they'll back that wholeheartedly. And, and once, once they're bought in at that level, they'll, they'll work tirelessly to make it happen in whatever capacity that is, whether it's a consumer brand that they're supporting because it, it, it supports a sustainable movement or if it's a B2B business that they align with and maybe they want to work for one day. So I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's just immense opportunity in the space. And I love now with the, the, the far majority of the world moving to totally digitally connected, um, that, that it just creates new opportunities that simply, I don't want to say they didn't exist before, but the ease in which we can access those um, is just a lot higher. That's brilliant. And I think I'd love to hear you say that in terms of um, the, the ability to speak up and the ability to really push trends. Yeah. Because I see, like, in terms of younger generations, there is a real opportunity to break bad habits of the past and create new habits yeah. using the information that we know is, you know, positive and things that are impacting people negatively in terms of the way we're working and and, and how we kind of moving things forward. So love to hear you say that. So thank you. Yeah, of course. And what I always say, it's, it's very much the uh, generation of, of why, like the one that poses the question why towards everything. And obviously we see that at a very macro level with cultural movements like Black Lives Matter and others where we're like, why is this still a problem? Why are we still dealing with this? Can we get it together, people? And, and, and that, you know, that's just a very high level macro example, but it stems within everything and, and goes all the way down where, you know, why do we work this way? Wait, why do we do this? Why do we do performance reviews like this? And, and all those, those different nuances. So it's, it's really captivating to see that and just seeing that split. And I can't wait to see how that evolves. And I, I also can't wait to see the next generation 
and if they'll be polar opposite to that maybe, or, you know, maybe they'll be like triple down in that arena and, and who knows what the world will look like then. So it's, it's something we're definitely excited about. And so I love, I love that question that you posed there. Thank you so much. Yeah. I wanted to just say thank you um, for giving me the opportunity to speak to the audience and, 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 you know, I really want to try and do everything I can to bring those voices forward. Yeah, certainly. Well, thank you again for joining the podcast. It was truly a pleasure having you on. And for all of our listeners here, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, hunt me down on social media and I'll be sure to answer those. And I'll see you all next week.